You talking to me? Back in the screening room, and we are a little bit busier at the movies than we were last week. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com, and we've got a few this week and some big ones opening nationwide. Also a couple of uh, limited release ones to uh, talk about as well, but we might as well start right at the top. Our first movie this week is the latest from writer, director, and star Ben Affleck, and it's a gangster saga set in the 20s and 30s called Live by Night. Do you think that we got where we are by letting some inbreds muscle us? If you're dumb enough to fight us, I'm gonna rain bloody hellfire down on you and all you love. So you're threatening me with people who are more powerful than you? Exactly. So what am I talking to you for? We're all going to hell. We are both big fans of Ben Affleck, the director. Yes. And you know, I think, and we were talking about this just yesterday, I don't think he gets maybe enough credit as a writer. Yeah, you know, as we, we were talking about, he is an Oscar-winning writer for Goodwill Hunting. He and is. He has written the screenplays, adapted the screenplays for all four of his films. Yeah, and the writing is never the problem, and the direction is rarely the problem. That's right. It's uh, he started with Gone Baby Gone, and then The Town, which he co-starred in, and then Argo, which he co-starred in, and they're both in different ways, really, really well directed. Uh, they take different different paths, you know, tell different stories. But in each case, I mean, it only took about one and a half films before you had to say, because if you remember back then when he first started directing, his career was kind of a joke. Yeah, it was. And uh, the fact that he came through as such a stellar director, well, it, it shut a lot of people up and really gave him a new a new lease on his career. And the, I think the trouble with him comes in to his acting performances sometimes. Um, it's, it's clear that at least so far he's a better director than he is an actor. And uh, in this case, it's one of the weak points of the film, let's be honest, that he casts himself in the lead role. You are considerably more generous about this than I would <laughs> be. I don't think there's really ever been a big question, not for me anyway, that he's not much of an actor. I don't think he's bad. But His range is limited. Very, very limited. His and I thought actually limited. he did a fine job in the town. He because did. And, uh, and and in a couple of other films, you know, he uh, Gone Girl because he just plays kind of a smarmy, he was yucky. But the, the, they they seem to be characters because the the town, you know, he's a townie. He's from right. Charles. They're they're they don't require the accountant. I thought he was fine, but they're they're films where they don't require a great deal of range. Yeah. In in Live by Night, this character has some internal conflict that kind of needs to drive the film, and there should be more of a fire in his belly, and the performance is very wooden. Yeah, and it doesn't help that the performances around him, oh, they're, great. they're all interesting characters, so mm -hmm. the writing is there, mm -hmm. but they're populated by really strong actors. You've got Brendan Gleeson, you've got uh, Sienna Miller, uh, you've got Zoe Saldana, you've got Chris Cooper, Chris and how Cooper. great was Elle Fanning. Elle Fanning, so... Even even tiny roles like Clark Gregg, mm -hmm. who you may not know of, but you've seen his face. He's got a small role in each One case. Scene. In each case, these characters all have they have to make moral compromises, and they all seem more conflicted than Ben Affleck's character does, the lead character Joe. And he, as you said, it should carry the film. It's a it's a genre gangster 
movie based on a novel by Dennis Lehane, who also wrote uh, Gone, Gone, Baby Gone. Gone Baby Gone. And Ben Affleck. Set Apple- in the 20s, set in Prohibition yeah, era. Yeah, before Prohibition and then through past it and, and that whole time there. Um, yeah, just a straight-up gangster picture. So give him credit. It's an ambitious reach mm-hmm. to do this sort mm-hmm. of genre filmmaking. And in a lot of ways, he's got the technical aspects down. It looks fantastic. It does. A lot of the, the shots are framed well. Uh, so some of the shoot 'em ups are exciting. Mm-hmm. The problem gets in with some pacing, and there's too much, I thought, filler. It's got a, a running time of a little bit over two hours, but it feels like over two and a half. It kind of drags. And it, 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 there are also some, I mean, it's a very complicated, kind of sweeping epic sort of a thing. But I thought a lot of things, especially there's a, a kind of a minor storyline that involves the, the KKK, mm-hmm. which I thought to myself, well, that was resolved pretty quickly, wasn't it? <laughs> I guess I sort of thought they had more power in the South. Yeah, we haven't read the book, uh, so we don't know how much he did prune. Maybe mm-hmm. there was a case of needed to, to prune a little bit more. Uh, so, yeah, it does feel a little bloated, but uh, technically... It's it's still it's well directed. It's it's well shot. You've got you've got some great panoramic scenes. Yeah, it looks really good. Some and, nice and again, backlit interiors. The entire ensemble supporting cast is is just outstanding. And you know what's funny is one of the first credits that comes up when the movie is over is Leonardo DiCaprio included among the executive producers. And right away, the first thing either one of us said is, "Oh wow, maybe he could have played the lead role." How much better would this movie have been if DiCaprio yeah, had been the lead? Yeah, you just you can't help but think that because uh, it's really, as you said, it needs his performance needs to drive the film and the internal conflict, and it just doesn't, and that makes the film fall short. Really, of any of the other movies that he has directed, this is has got to come in at the, as as the weakest. Agreed. Not not that it's at, out and out bad. No, I wouldn't say so. No, it was enjoyable. No. Uh, but it's just, it comes in a, a, a little wanting, an ambitious overreach, mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. you might say. And that's Live By Night. Our next movie is one that opened in the big markets, New York and L.A., a couple of weeks ago, but is now getting nationwide release. And it's the story of the 2013 Boston Marathon bombing and the manhunt that followed Patriot's Day. We've got to decide who's running this, and we have to decide quickly. It's terrorism. We'll take it. And let's get an evidence grid started right over there. Clock is ticking. The world is watching. The suspect seen on the surveillance cameras. Two bombers. We gotta find these guys before they do this to someone else. It seems that director Peter Berg and star Mark Wahlberg are on a mission to respectfully and earnestly salute unsung heroes. And I'll tell you what, they're doing a darn good job of it. From Lone Survivor, and then after that, last year was Deepwater Horizon, got a little bit better. And this one is is the best, is, is better still. And it's obviously the story of the Boston Marathon bombing that happened on Patriot's Day. Not only the events leading up to it, the bombing itself, but then the search for the bombers, the terrorists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it follows a similar pattern that uh, these two have used. It does a nice job of introducing you to all the many of the featured players that you're going to want to get to know. And there's so many of them, as, as he did so well in Deepwater Horizon, Berg gives you a quick glimpse that makes them feel real enough. It's hard to do that with so many characters. Boom, 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 boom. You know, this policeman, this, this runner, uh, this police commissioner. And one, 
one after the other. You have to feel like you kind of know them a little bit and care about them, and it's hard to do. And uh, they do it again. They do it well. They're following the same pattern, so they set it up, and then they get to the bombing itself that is very shocking and, and carnage-filled, and they focus on limbs and you know the, the, the loss of life and the, and the injuries, and it's really, it's, it's really chilling. And then, of course, the coordination of the FBI and all the different Boston area police departments, and it's, it's really done in, in breathtaking, very interesting fashion until it gets to the manhunt and they zero in on these two uh, terrorists that did it and killing one and capturing the other. And it's thrilling, and it's again, it's very respectful to those involved, very sobering as to what happened, the toll, the life, the uh, changes in people's lives. But at the end, it's very, it's very hopeful because you hear from some of the victims themselves and mm. some of the, the uh, first responders themselves and the sense of appreciating life and, you know, helping your fellow man, and we're in this together, which right now, as divisive as this country is, it's a nice message to see. It really is, even if it's just for those two hours in the movie theater. It's, it's really nice, and it's inspirational and just overall well done. It's another case of these two, Peter Berg especially, and, and Wahlberg is good. Mm -hmm. he, he has shown in many movies that when he is committed, and you can tell he really is here, it's his city, uh, yeah, after all, yeah. uh, Boston, uh, when he is committed and under a skillful director, he skillful director, he can be good. He can rise to mm -hmm, the occasion. Mm -hmm. Case in point, The Departed. Yeah. So good. Um, he hasn't always been when he's in his project and maybe doesn't have as firm a hand or as firm of a vision. Yeah. He's not as committed, but he is here. Talking about you, Transformers 3. <laughs> and uh, the one with M. Night, The Happening. Oh, Woo! yeah. Anyway, uh, so he's good. The ensemble is good. You've got, you know, John Goodman and Michelle Monaghan and J.K. Simmons. Always good. Uh, yes, and it's a strong, just a strong ensemble all the way around, uh, sort of like uh, we just talked about with Live by Night. But this one, really just respectful and inspirational and chilling what it has to be. Also, when the city, if you remember, during a time when the manhunt was going on, they put the city in lockdown, yes, shut I do it remember. down. I do remember. And boy, they communicate that very well, just silent, silent streets. And they, they get the emotion and the humanity right. And they get the very, again, the, uh, they get the very respectful treatment uh, of the, per, not only the, uh, of the first responders, of the victims, and also they give you a little glimpse Inside the perpetrators, you know, not just treating them as cardboard cutouts, but a little bit inside their minds. Uh, you know, I felt like that was one of the strengths of Lone Survivor as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, they they seem to have a little pattern here uh, of how they operate with these same type of movies, but it's been it's been successful, and I think this is the best of the three of these similar movies that they have made together. It's Patriots Day. Our next movie is the latest from director Martin Scorsese, and it's the story of Jesuit priests in 1640 Japan searching for their mentor. It's called Silence. Our Lord said to them, Go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Ferreira is lost to us. He denounced God in public and surrendered the faith. That's not possible. Father Ferreira risked his life to spread our faith all over Japan. It seems to me that our mission here is more urgent than ever. We must go find Father Ferreira. This is in your hearts, then, both of you? Yes. The moment 
you set foot in that country, you step into high danger. This is not one of those that without Scorsese's name on it would be maybe a giant draw. It is uh, yeah, the, about two and a half hours long. The subject matter maybe a little dry. 1640s Japan, and it follows two Jesuit priests who go into Japan uh, during a time of Christian persecution to find their mentor, played by Liam Neeson. So, um, it you know, it starts off Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver are the two priests who go into Japan in search of the of Liam Neeson's character. And, uh, boy, Adam Driver just couldn't be better. And, and what a great year he's having. Next week we're going to talk about Patterson, which wow. I love. You know, he's he is just having a stellar, you know, couple of years, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, now that we're, we've just turned the page. So, yeah. yeah, I guess we have to call it a couple of years now. Yeah. And uh, and it and it's interesting because the his his father and Andrew Garfield's father they um, they really play off each other well not only in their look but in their demeanor. Uh, Garfield's character is very optimistic, very upbeat. You know, embrace life, embrace faith, and he's just he's such a sweet faced man. Whereas Driver is tall, he's gaunt, and he's got that unusual look about him, and he, he does. plays. The more skeptical, um, more impatient, maybe less obviously loving, right of the uh, of the two priests. Um, the movie is long; it's about two and a half hours long. But again, it tells quite a story, and a story that, I mean, as a a, a lifelong Catholic, my dad worked for the Catholic Church. I went twelve years of Catholic school. I've never heard the story of of Christian. Catholic persecution in Japan by Buddhists. It mm-hmm. was a completely new concept to me. So that's always interesting. Well, apparently this has been a passion project for Scorsese for years, mm-hmm. trying to get everything just right to make it. So it's been a long time coming. And it's, it is, So it is a fascinating story. And also what really, so Silence is the name of the film. And what really it is in the long term is um, it's a struggle to maintain your faith mm-hmm. when you can't hear God. So that's the silence of it. And when he does that, when Scorsese handles that, mostly with Garfield, it's done quite well. Uh, my uh, couple of issues with the film tend to be where, when I think he isn't handling that particular aspect of the film with, with great nuance. And then also, and you and I were talking about this earlier, uh, Garfield, Neeson, and... Um, Driver. Driver. I'll play Portuguese priests who go into Japan and speak English, two of them with very heavy European accents. Because I love Liam Neeson, and mm-hmm. I love to hear him talk, but yeah. that guy's an Irishman top to bottom. <laughs> yes, he he doesn't sound like anything else. So, yes, he is. And it's, and it's interesting in a movie that is, is kind of so mesmerizing, something like that really stands out, really breaks that seduction of the film for me anyway. Mm-hmm. So... I, I didn't think, and I know it probably suffered from high expectations. I really expected to just be blown away by this film, and I and I was moved by it. I really was, but I felt not to the degree of Live by Night, but I did feel like maybe it was a bit of an overreach. Mm-hmm. And that's Silence, latest from Martin Scorsese. Those are the three big ones in wide release this week. A couple to recommend for wildly different reasons in limited release. The first one is the latest from Paul Verhoeven, uh, and it's called L. And you might, if you watch the Golden Globes. Uh, you saw not only the film win, but the for foreign language film, but the star Isabel Huppert win for best actress. And boy, I was glad to see that because it's one that probably caught a lot of people off guard. But she so deserves it. She carries this film, and it's a film which 
makes a lot of creative choices that are not going to sit well with a lot of people. It's a story about a character, Isabel Huppert's character, who suffers, suffers a brutal rape at the beginning of the movie, and then the choices she makes after that, and in a movie, as you brought up, we were talking earlier, directed by a man, written by a man, some of these choices are going to raise some eyebrows. Actually, uh, it's, um, it is a uh, flabbergasting, flummoxing, bewildering film that will make probably most of you just want to shake your fist in rage, and at the end of the movie, God help me, I was amazingly impressed. And I cannot imagine this film working without Isabelle Huppert. I can't either. Because the, this character is, um, her choices are baffling. We get, to, we get to know her backstory just in little pieces and bursts, and eventually you, you realize, I can't possibly know where she's coming from. You will believe me. When you watch the movie, you cannot possibly know where she's coming from. So it's, it's, there's no reason for you to try to predict why she behaves the way she does. And there are ways to look at this film as a feminist film. She broke with tradition. She never saw herself as a victim. She made her own choices. Um, and, and there are other ways to look at it. That- as, yeah, like, <laughs> oh, my. And, and again, and Paul Verhoeven, of all directors, is not just a male director. It's Paul Verhoeven who... Well, did Showgirls, for example. Basic Instinct is another one. Yeah, I mean, he's just... A lot of his films are, are fascinating to watch and fun for different reasons, but they, on the whole, the man knows how to objectify a woman. <laughs> and, and and I give him credit. There's nothing in this film, Al, played for titillation. Absolutely nothing. Right. Uh, and, and so, But it's, it's just such a fascinating riddle because... Everything she does is so counterintuitive and frustrating and infuriating. But again, because of Huppert's performance, her enigmatic, very self-contained yeah, you ride. Just, you can't stop watching. No, and, and you know, and you also can't really second guess why she's doing it because she has created such a believable and yet unbelievable character, somebody you can't possibly know. Um, and and you mentioned her Golden Globe and how you were happy to see it. Uh, it is it. An absolutely magnificent performance. But as you and I have mentioned many times, this is the tightest race for best actress I can remember. I agree. There are at least nine or ten lead female performances that deserve an Oscar this yeah, year. It is that the in tightest. another year they would sweep up. And this year And it's nice that this is the category. It is it nice. It really is. It is nice that this is the category. Hooray for it. Some <laughs> great roles for women and some some great women in them. But um I, I again I uh, I also thought uh, she probably did. Of all of the ones, and I love, especially Viola Davis, but I, I got to give it to her. She was she amazing. She was fantastic. So go go with your eyes wide open, but it is worth seeing. It really is worth seeing. It is uh, it is complex, and uh, you'll, you'll get a reaction. On the totally different end of the spectrum, a fun, spooky, creepy kind of B-movie ride, you might want to check out The Autopsy of Jane Doe. This is the latest from the director that did Troll Hunter a Loved few years it. ago, which is the same way, just fun in a in a almost campy kind of just B movie, go with it and enjoy the ride kind of thing. And this one, as you might guess from the title, is about an autopsy of a Jane Doe, a body that's found uh, in the dirt at a very unusual crime scene. And then the county coroner, played by Brian Cox, and nice. his and his apprentice son, played by Emil Hirsch, also nice. Um, get get the body delivered, and they start an autopsy, and they start finding very unusual things. And the more that they dig for answers, the more that unsettling becomes terrifying. Mm. And the movie takes a totally different turn, and things get pretty crazy. And it's a really nice setup. It hooks you in. The the Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch are very good, very believable. You trust them that they really want to do right by mm-hmm. this woman mm-hmm. and her memory. Find out who she is, how she died. Uh, and so that when things do get a little silly, 
the film has built up some capital that it's going to spend. Sure. And then you just go with it and have a good time, and it, it is creepy. You you get some jump scares with kind of a wink and a nod type of approach, like, yeah, come on, just, just go with it and have some fun. And if you do that, you'll enjoy it right down to the final the final shot. And so uh, it's not great, but I did enjoy it. If you like this kind of movie, it is. There's some body gruesomeness here. It's obviously it's about an autopsy, and they go about the autopsy. Well, so it is a horror film. Yes. Yeah, so if that you know puts you off, you're going to see some. I might need to hide your eyes or whatever. But then it becomes kind of a an adult version of the Lights Out movie that made so much money mm -hmm, last year mm -hmm. that I thought was very teenage based. Sure. This is kind of a little more adult version of that, and it's a fun ride. So that's the autopsy of Jane Doe. And out on Blu-ray and streaming and video this week, there's a few. Birth of a Nation. I enjoyed it. It's Nate Parker. I know he had some scandal uh, in his personal life that got some headlines this, this year. Whether that had anything to do with the movie kind of being overlooked, I don't know. But it is the cinematic version of um, Nat Turner, the Nat Turner Rebellion, mm -hmm. the Slave Rebellion. Mm -hmm. And it's visceral and it's brutal and it is definitely worth seeing. And Nate Parker who was given really a surprising amount of creative control over this right. movie, writing, directing, uh, starring, starring and, and he's so committed. He gives a fantastic performance. A couple of moments in the film, maybe a little bit too far, a little bit too heavy-handed, but I think it could be forgiven because of how so much of we talk about a passion project, so much of a, this is such a passion project, obviously, for him. And I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very... As much as you can enjoy a story like this, that it's hard to watch in many aspects, it was solid and just overlooked for one reason or another. But if you can catch it, catch it. And that's Birth of a Nation. And another one that we just mentioned a little bit earlier, talking about, about Ben Affleck, and that was The Accountant, one that he starred in but didn't direct. That's correct. It was directed by Gavin O'Connor, who also did Warrior. I like that. The uh, MMA yeah. movie, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. If, uh, if you think about it that way, I, he's got a couple of issues, Gavin O'Connor, that he kind of... I think retreads, not in a bad way, but if you watch The Accountant, you'll probably know what I mean. But uh, Ben Affleck plays the titular accountant, and he is a, a man with, he's on the autism spectrum, which is actually a very good role for Affleck because by virtue of this handicap, he, he doesn't have to show much of a range of emotion. And I actually think uh, Gavin O'Connor does this, an incredibly, I thought, great job with the action in this film because it 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 fits the character brilliantly. Uh, it's very logical. It's very clean cut. It's very A to B, and yet it's still really quite interesting. And there's a great brother character. Uh, it's not a brilliant film. It's actually much better than the writing. The film is better than it should have been, and I thought it was quite entertaining. Okay, and well, another one. We're we're getting into a territory this week where a lot we of repeated. a lot of repeating. But we talked about Patriots Day and Deepwater Horizon, one of the movies, the other movies in the same vein, done by Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg. That is out this week, and again, very worth seeing for the same reasons. It takes unsung heroes of a tragedy, obviously the Deepwater Horizon explosion, and gives them a very respectful, thrilling, inspiring treatment. So for many of the same reasons that I recommend Patriot's Day, I would recommend Deepwater Horizon as well. Very well done. With a, a minimum, this one has a lot more, there's a lot more involved to the tragedy, the explosions. Many, many explosions on this oil rig. And you really get the feeling they did it with a minimum of, CGI and it feels Interesting. Um, yeah it feels more authentic you know it, it really does it feels more real so I uh, recommend Deepwater Horizon and a comedy the latest comedy film from Kevin Hart is out this week Kevin Hart what now and it's a mixture of 
uh, comedy routine and a little bit of fantasy sequences, but basically it's based around Kevin Hart selling out his home football stadium in Philadelphia, which for a comedy show is pretty darn yeah, good. That's huge. Selling out a comedy, uh, selling out a football stadium, and it sets it up and closes it with a fantasy sequence where he's a private eye, but yet he's still Kevin Hart. But anyway, the point is, it is funny. It's maybe not. It has some stretches there are a little that are a little dry, but stay with it. And toward the end, it gets very funny. That is, if you think Kevin Hart is funny. I didn't realize anybody didn't think. Well, Kevin Hart was they funny. You know, bring up any comedian. There's going to be people. Sure. He's not funny. She's not funny. So Kevin Hart's funny. He is funny, and he's <laughs> funny in this. And as you get farther along in it, it's sometimes uproariously funny. So uh, if you like Kevin Hart, I would definitely recommend. Kevin Hart, What Now, his latest concert film, out on video this week. And next week, we're looking forward to, well, we mentioned one already, uh, Patterson, kind of a, a smaller film with Adam Driver. But yes. in the bigger theaters, we've got the latest from M. Night Shyamalan. Is it Shyamalan? No, I think it's it? just Shyamalan. I think Shyamalan. We, we, we keep think, going back and forth. Yeah. M. Night. M. Night. And he's gotten a little bit better. He had, you know, he was on that big role with Sixth Sense and uh, the signs and all that back in, a few years ago, and then he kind of fell off the cliff, and mm -hmm. he rebounded a little bit last, last year. Last year with the, the visit, visit. Uh, that was so fun. Hopefully, split his latest multiple personality thriller starring James McAvoy. Right. Hopefully, uh, we'll see what it delivers. And the other one, latest from Vin Diesel, Master Thespian, and it's Triple X Three. Right, the return of Xander Cage. I I haven't seen any of the Triple X movies. Have you? I did see, I think, the first one. I think uh, the if that's the one Ozzy Argento was in. But regardless, I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not super thrilled about this one. Not really looking forward to it, but I'll go into it with an open mind. That's right. Open mind. Always good. So we'll see how those shake out next week. Let us know what you thought of any of these, what you're looking forward to. Always glad to hear from you on Twitter. That's the easiest way. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook. And you can check out all of our reviews uh, in written form and podcast form at madwolf.com. Screening Room Podcast, a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and madwolf.com. Until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner.